This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's deputy editor and podcast host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome back Olive's brilliant monthly columnist and podcast regular, Gerd Loyal. If you read Gerd's column, you'll realise he wears many hats, including consulting on future food trends. And in this is the area we're going to be talking about today as we do a deep dive into the top 10 new trends in baking. Welcome, Gerd. Hello, thanks for having me. I love this topic. Yeah. Are, are you a big baker yourself? Are you more of a hang around the bakery? I think, I'm, I think I'm a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, you know, if there's an opportunity to kind of lick yeah. the spoon, I'm going to be doing that. Yeah. But yeah, if there's any new baked goods in London, do you know what? I'm a big one for seeing something on Instagram and then yeah. deciding I have to go and get in the and queue There's so much of it at the minute, isn't there? There really is. We're touching on quite a lot of it today. Let's talk with a big viral Instagram thing. I'm going to just say it because you wrote it. Immaculately crafted laminated geometry. Yes. So <laughs> what, is a, what the hell does that mean? This is trend number one. So yeah. immaculately crafted laminated geometries. So laminated dough is something like a croissant or something like a pan of chocolate where you've got dough that's interspersed with butter or some sort of oil. Even a paratha, for example, is something that's actually laminated. But what's happened now is that this has just taken on a whole new level of engineering and craft. Um, The place that's driving this is Lune Croissanterie, I I love the word croissanterie, which is, um, (laughs) it's in Australia and it has just, it's all over Instagram because the founder of it, Kate Reid, is a Formula One technician or used to be. And what she's done is she'd, she's kind of applied all of that Formula One technology to croissants and wow. to laminated pastries. So her creations of Lean Bakery is just absolutely kind of incredible. So she talks about how 
she's perfected the dough to give the perfect elasticity to hold the layers of butter. Um, and she's actually got a book out at the moment um, where she talks about how you can recreate this at home. Yeah, I've seen the book. It's really, I mean, it's a, it's a week, it's not just a weekend project. It's no, it, it is, exactly. I mean, the, the croissants take three days to prepare. Yeah, so, wow. But they are immaculate. Yeah. And this whole sort of idea of kind of laminated geometry is something that's kind of really big at the moment. So in London, there is... Um, the Joel Rubichon Deli, who yeah. has Le Cube croissants. Yeah, have you seen, seen those? It. I have seen it. I have seen it. And then I went back and I had another look. And then I went on YouTube to, to see how they made them. It's quite extraordinary. It's bit, I, feel, I feel like it's a bit cruel because you kind of have to prove prove it yes. in, a, in a little, like, you know, metal It's tin. like those square watermelons yeah. and you make them yeah. grow. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what you and do. And the croissant wants to go boof. Yes. And you're like, you're, preventing you're, it. You're, you're stopping it. Yeah. But so they're really extraordinary. I mean, they are perfect cubes yeah. of laminated pastry that are filled with all sorts of, you know, sort of creme patissiere and kind of compotes and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. They look incredible and they have perfect sharp right angles. It's incredible, <laughs> like, yeah. Completely incredible. Um, another place that does a lot of this stuff is Maison Francois, uh, yeah. which does the sort of pan suisse, which is sort of a sort of flat kind of laminated patisserie. And then they have these incredible sort of circular spiral croissants at Yeast Bakery. And that's sort of a bit of a trend that's kind of taking over where they're sort of it's sort of like a sort of sliced round of laminated dough, but then it's kind of turned up so yeah. it's standing on its head and it's topped with things like pistachio cream and yeah. rhubarb and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, there's this whole thing of imma- not just crafted laminated geometry, but, but really immaculately pushing, pushing crafted. the boundaries. And, and I guess it's, you know, these guys know what they're doing. It, it, it's tastes good as well. It's it, not just for the gram, is it? <laughs> it well, no, they do. I mean, I've tried the cube croissants and yeah, they really are really good. completely extraordinary. Another thing that I love about this, though, is that all of those places are taking sort of a no-waste approach. A lot of them are then yeah. twice baking the croissants. So at Loon, they're as famous for their twice-baked almond croissant where they use the croissant from the day before. Um, but also people are using croissants and things like pie crusts, which I just absolutely oh. love. So does that mean you, um, the, the plain croissant from the day before, you then fill it and bake it again to make ah that's great you would fill it with to give it a second life exactly so you fill it's sort of taking the stale crust from the day before filling it with things like a frangipan and topping it with nuts and all sort of stuff and actually, this whole twice-baked laminated croissant thing is is pretty big. I, I love this idea of taking this okay. no-waste approach, but then even turning the croissants into things like breadcrumbs to top onto crumbles yeah. to turn into pie crusts. Um, but yeah, check out Instagram, look yeah. up Le Cube croissants and look up Lune croissanterie. I just think that's an amazing word to say. Yeah. <laughs> I want there to be a croissanterie in London. <laughs> One to look out for. Okay, next, something that's come on in leaps and bounds, which is um, plant-based bacon. Tell us about that. It is, yes. This is something I caught up with Ravneet Gill, who... Um, um, wrote that book, the the Pastry Chef's Guide, and yeah. also had that book called Sugar, which is incredible. And she said that in 2023, one of the things she's loving most is this understanding that we now have of plant-based baking. Yeah. There's so much more information, so many more recipes, and people are just really making tasty vegan patisserie yeah. and and baking and all sorts of stuff that doesn't have that sort of synthetic vegan taste to it. Um, there's a few people that are pioneering this. Um, one of them is Phil Curry from Harrods, who is sort of taking plant-based home baking to the next level. Um, he has a big project that's coming later on this year. Look out for that. I won't okay. say too much more about <laughs> it. But he, I spoke to him and he sort of said that what he's really excited about is that there are these classics that are being reinvented, yeah. but also new products that are almost accidentally and naturally oh, vegan. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so you're not like twisting it to, to make it vegan. You're actually taking something 
that's vegan and doing the best possible thing with it. Completely. And I think it's that thing of taking the natural properties of something. So whether it's something like aquafaba, which is sort of chickpea water or coconut oil or seeds and nuts, cashews in particular. Yeah. And almost sort of re-engineering them. So they're, they're very much sort of household products that you could do at home. You know, you're not using sort of synthetic gums and stabilizers and things like that. You're using these household products, yeah. but really elevating them to create the textures and the tastes of, I guess, the real thing. But yeah. it's almost it's almost like you can't really tell the difference. There's someone else that I think is brilliant, which is um, Richard Makins, who is School Night Vegan on Instagram. He has this new book out called Anything You Can Cook, I yeah. Can Cook Vegan which is an amazing title. And he has all sorts of, you know, incredible sort of vegan creations of your classic baking products in there. It's something that's here to stay, but you've now got, you know, people like Phil Curry from Harrods who are sort of elevating it to that next level and kind of really giving it that level of finesse that I think plant-based baking just hasn't had today. Yeah, we love Richard. And in fact, he's going to come on the podcast Amazing. and talk about his book Can't very, very soon. So so look out for that one. And yeah, he's he's a perfect example of someone who is making the best possible iteration of whatever that is, but using Completely. vegan ingredients. I love it. Um, so next, good, you're saying the cronut is over. <laughs> I'm not saying it's over. I'm just saying it's old news because there are other hybrids yeah. that are now kind of hybrid taking bakes. over. Um, so this is hybrid 3.0. This is our next trend. Um, I caught up with Jane Dunn, who is Jane's patisserie on Instagram. She yeah. is just incredible. I love, I love all her. of her creations. I love her. Um, and she is really excited about the bronut. Uh, she said to okay. me that the bronut is all the rage at the moment. It's basically a cross between a brownie and a donut. Okay, I'm trying so to imagine, imagine a kind like of, a yeasted. It's kind of like fried. a sort of. It's sort of a a donut shaped brownie. Ah, uh, okay. So you kind of get this sort of the you kind of get extra edges because it's you've got an edge in the middle from nice. the hole in the middle. Yeah. So you sort of get this combination of gooey brownie but that's in a donut shape that's got more crust <laughs> yeah. but less like it's really interesting and they look amazing yeah. um another one is the brookie which is the brownie cookie yeah and, i've heard of that one um there's also things like um lemon curd cruffins which the loom bakery do which is kind of the croissant muffins oh nice another one that i love and this is from lily vanilli who i caught up with is the sort of scone american biscuit hybrids okay. um so she said that scones are having a real comeback but they're moving away from traditional dry scones into something that's a bit more of a hybrid with an American biscuit. So they're more cakey, they're more fluffy. Um, at Lily Vanilli's Bakery, they sort of do ones that have kind of lots of zesty things through them. So things like passion fruit, things yeah. like lemon, things like orange. Um, and they have them on their afternoon tea menu as well, which I just think is really amazing. I love yeah. this idea of, you know, the scone and the, the American biscuit. They're quite subtly different, but you've now got this sort of hybrid yeah. that's mixing the best of both. And for people that don't know, the American biscuit isn't a biscuit as we know it. No. It actually looks like it a scone, exactly, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, you get it. You get like biscuits and gravy, which you is do. a bit weird. It's a bit like a cobbler, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other hybrid thing that I love, and this is really big for, with people like um, Alison Roman and Claire Saffet, is the snacking cake. Sounds lovely. I want one. <laughs> so the snacking cake, I mean, it's a very simple idea, but it's pretty big in America at the moment. But the idea of a snacking cake is that it's a cake that you have on your countertop in the kitchen yeah. with a knife next to it, where the intention of it is that throughout the week you, you, will, snack. you will snack on this cake yeah. and it's specifically a snacking cake. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. You know, we've never, I don't think in this country we've really thought about the idea of cakes for snacking in that way. Well, we've Apart got from, like cut and come again cakes, haven't yeah, we? we that do. We, and that's, yeah, that used to be like so. you'd, you'd have your cake tin 
um, with your like kind of a, a plainish cake or a Madeira cake or something. Yeah, like a pound cake like, or a marble yeah, cake or something like, like that. Like a tea cake. Yeah. A cake to have with a cup of tea, basically, not yeah. a celebration cake. Yes. Yeah. I think this is sort of taking that idea to the next level <laughs> and it. almost bringing in a bit of the naughtiness you would have from kind of a dessert or a celebration cake, but kind of going, you know what? Yeah. Have a cake that you snack on all week. So I <laughs> love the not? idea of snacking yeah. cakes. Um, there are some brilliant ones in Alison Roman's new book um, that kind of you know really elevate this thing using seasonal fruits and all sorts of stuff. But... Um, yeah, hybrid 3.0. Love that. Love it. Fantastic. And next we've got hyper-seasonal fruits taking centre stage. Tell us about that. Yeah, I love this one. So I caught up with um, Anna Hyam, who wrote that incredible book, The Last Bite, um, last year, and also has a new bakery coming out soon, which is called Quince Bakery. Oh, nice. And they really are going to be putting seasonality at the centre of everything that they yeah. do. And her book was all about, you know, playing with seasonality. She uses things like quince, like rhubarb, like Seville oranges. And really what her book was about was about thinking about desserts and baking in the same way that you would savoury cooking. So taking that approach that you would with ingredients. And um, I caught up with her and she said that the thing that she loved about using seasonal ingredients at their peak is that it sort of feels like you're having a conversation with the fruit. So instead of sort of trying to force something to do what you want it to do, whether it's, you know, things like strawberries or peaches or plums, she sort of likes to try them in their raw state and then let them spark memories for her and then she kind of gets really creative with whatever memories they've kind of sparked. I think that's just so poetic and such a lovely way to think about baking and to kind of take that approach of being hyper-seasonal but bring it into your baking. And there's plenty of things, you know, that are just off the top of my head that you can that you can bake with seasonally. If you've got like a base recipe for like a, a blondie or something, you can put raspberries in there totally. or you could put peaches in there. You know, there's, so you can kind of like make it work with the seasons. I think so. And I think the thing about things at peak seasonality is that that's when they're at their most abundant. Yeah. And, you know, they are, every, they're, they're yeah. certainly at their most delicious, but they're also at the most abundant. So make use of them. And, you know, yeah. even if the things that you've got frozen, whatever, but like, like using these things, It doesn't just have to be fruit, though. Um, There's a new bakery in East Dulwich called Eric's, which is also using vegetables in their bakery. So they, at the moment, have an asparagus and prosciutto croissant on their menu. So, you know, we're in peak asparagus (laughs) season, and I love the idea of using all the asparagus out there and putting it into a croissant. It's just, yeah, yeah, it looks... I haven't tried it yet, but it's very high on my list. Sounds gorgeous. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO.
Now something we can all get behind, all day baking from breakfast through to midnight, all day. All day. <laughs> We're not meant to be eating at midnight. All day, yes. <laughs> I love this one. So this is something that's sort of... Um, being driven by Claire Patak yeah. of uh, Violet Bakery, who's very famous because she made sort of the royal wedding cake for Harry and Meghan. She has a brand new book out called Love is a Pink Cake. What it does, though, is it celebrates baking right from the morning right. all the way through to midnight. And she, Claire herself, is quite interesting because she's Californian, but she's also British. And what this book right. does is it kind of has morning, afternoon, after meal, and then party midnight bake. <laughs> From California and from England. So I kind of love that. So yeah. some examples, she's got things like huckleberry basil sugar scones they for the sound, morning. They sound, sound my delicious. kind of breakfast for sure, yeah. Um, for the afternoon, she's got things like rye brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Lovely. And then she's got things like Bakewell bars, which is just delicious looking. For after a meal, she's got Pears Eve's pudding, which just looks incredible. And then for her kind of midnight party party, she's yeah. got this extraordinary looking Black Forest Gatto. So I just think this whole thing of... Not just thinking about baking as kind of, you know, a weekend treat or something that you can only do for kind of a special occasion, yeah. but kind of going, actually, you can bring something baked into every, every occasion, occasion in the day. Yeah. I love the the recipe titles as well. There's a, there's a nice bit of like touch of nostalgia in them, isn't there? Because I mean, who doesn't love a Black Forest Gatto? I think so. I and think they, so, re- they even... really went out of fashion and like they shouldn't because those are my favourite flavours like cherry and cream and chocolate. No, so good. I, I, don't, I think it's timeless. I know what you yeah. mean. It has a sense of... Almost kind of retro 70s yeah. Fanny Craddockness, which, you know, I'm always a fan we of. <laughs> you still um, have to do that whole okay. podcast on Fanny. <laughs> we really need to do that at some point. But I just, I love this idea of thinking yeah. about the different occasions that you could bake yeah. and not just kind of limiting it to kind of, you know, a special kind of treat, but going, you know what, you can make something really delicious that's baked for breakfast or you can make something yeah. really delicious that's baked for kind of a midnight feast yeah. and thinking about it as kind of an, an all-day occasion. All-day rave. All-day bake An all-day baking rave. I'm here for that. <laughs> okay, next, the icing on the cake, literally. Tell us about yes. icing. What's happening with icing? Icing. So, I mean, icing kind of came and went because I think there was that huge trend for cupcakes. Oh, God, um, yeah, the Magnolia Bakery. Magnolia Bakery, <laughs> which, you know, was everywhere. And then it sort of, yeah. everyone kind of went off icing. But now icing is taking on this sort of, Extra playful, extra kind like of fun. Like fun, bringing the really, fun really back really into fun. it. Yeah. Exactly. So a few things that I'm loving on Instagram. So there's this big trend for comic book cakes. Have you seen oh, those? Yeah, I've probably made a few for, okay. my, for my niece when she was Amazing. little. I may, I remember making her because I know one of them you said... Um, the shag cake is that with the the like yeah like a shag carpet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so the comic book cakes yeah. are, are cakes that are made to look like they're a cartoon yeah. effectively and then there are sort of the shag cakes which would basically look like a sort of seventies shag rug yeah but that's kind of I don't quite know how they do. I think they sort of press it through these yeah, very you've fine got it, meshes you've got these really fine um, I had a um, what you call it uh, an icing bag with a nozzle and the, the nozzle on the end of it had lots of tiny little yeah, holes okay. yeah. so when you squeeze it through you get this because I was making um, I can't remember his name the main guy from Monsters Inc who's like a yes, big blue yes, yes. shaggy love character that. Love that. and made the fur with that and it is it's, I mean it's just such good fun for, for a grown up as well really, this is the thing but <laughs> they're, they're really amazing, kind of taking yeah. on this sort of yeah shag cake kind yeah. of approach um, the other thing that I love is, is this revival of that kind of Mary Antoinette Rococo cake so like April's really Bakery OTT. they're so ETT they've got like cherubs and cherries yeah. and they they almost <laughs> look like they're sort of 
a kind of retro sort of catalogue, but they're yeah. also so completely contemporary because they're so over the top. Um, another one that I kind of love, which is just ridiculously fun, was um, Kim Joy, who was sort of a previous Bake Off contestant. Yeah. Her latest book is called Bake Me a Cat, and everything in it is either iced or made to look like a cat. <laughs> the cat look, I mean, okay, it's niche. I mean, but it's I very know. niche, but it's really fun. And some of the ways that she ices things to yeah. turn them into cats are just really, really funny yeah. and actually quite fun. So it's not your kind of sort of old school kind of giant dollop of icing. It's actually turning the icing into something yeah. that's a bit more playful, a bit more refined in some ways, but... Um, the other thing I think that's interesting about all these things is that the icing now often has a lot of flavour through it as well. Yeah, because it used to... I think the problem with Magnolia, because I did get to eat one of their cupcakes, and it was just like sugar. I mean, my sugar teeth Sugar and butter. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> there was just yes. no dimension to it at all. No. And I, I couldn't really understand why it went so huge, especially in New York, where like nobody yeah, eats anything anyway. <laughs> but now, you know, people are sort of having like, you know, have things like salted yeah. caramel frostings. Yeah, and lovely. Like passion fruit really frostings and for it, yeah. brown butter frostings, which I just think yeah. are amazing. So, um, yeah, icing is sort of back, but in a playful, shaggy way. <laughs> it's nice, that, though, that the baking space is somewhere where all of these things can exist alongside each other and get equal amounts of love, you know, and like you can really have a play around with stuff. And that's what's great about baking, isn't it? I think it is. It's really kind of, it's sort of a democratic, sorry, really universal. sort of a democratic sort of universal way of kind of cooking. I've got friends who are sort of convinced that they're not great cooks, but they're yeah. brilliant at baking. Yeah. Uh, and in the reverse, I've got lots of friends who are incredible chefs who are convinced that they can't bake. Yeah. So it's one of those things that um, I think just getting a couple of key principles behind you is just yeah. really empowering. For me, one of the things that I think transformed my baking was when I learned very, very basic principles around butter, eggs, flour and sugar. Just what they're all doing. What they're together, all doing. Yeah. You know, just the fact that, you know, the difference between an egg white and an egg yolk the properties of different sugars. They're very basic things and there's some incredible books out there that yeah. can teach you this. But I think it really does elevate your baking when you yeah. get those fundamentals. I love that. Well, the next one actually taps into a lot of the way you use ingredients, yes. doesn't it? So let's talk about that. So this one is... So it's basically including what I'm calling swalty, spicy, umami and fragrant herbs and <laughs> okay. bakes. So there's lots of chefs it's not just me that's kind of doing this but people that are using kind of this combination of sweet salty this idea of adding spices adding umami pastes and herbs into baking and yeah. I just completely love this one so a few people are going to point out um, Chetna Markin who is an incredible sort of yeah, um, baker and cook is huge on YouTube she, one of the thing, ingredients that she loves using is black tahini yeah it's great isn't it it has a really kind of you know nutty sort of toasted tahini taste that's much more complex than kind of the standard tahini. And she makes this black tahini tart, which I just absolutely love. Um, another one is Terry Masika, who has uh, the Happy Endings um, ice cream company. Oh, ice cream, yeah. And she is actually an extremely talented pastry chef, not just ice cream. And some ingredients that she uses, she uses things like malt and crystallized cacao nibs and... She actually has this thing, which is a popcorn tart, which is a custard tart that's infused with the taste of Ooh. sweet and salty popcorn. Oh, that's amazing. Which is it's completely incredible. And it has this kind of corn yeah. crust. So this idea of incorporating sweet, salty, kind of the kind of the creaminess of the custard. Was that your swalty? Did you make swalty? that word no, up? No, swalty is a big is word. It? Swalty <laughs> is big. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. I've never come across it before. Swalty is sweet and salty. Every day's a school day with oh, you yeah. good. Oh, swalty. yeah. Swalty. Okay. Swalty popcorn. You know, it's a mix of both. You can't just have one. You've got to have both. I love it. Um, 
One of the things that I love using, um, and I've got a recipe for it in the book actually, is a chocolate chai pie, um, which uses chai spice. Um, A couple of spices I love, things like um, adjwain and cardamom. And I also in the book have a saffron custard tart with candied fennel seeds and black pepper. Gorgeous. um, Which again, I love this idea of kind of mixing fennel seeds in. Uh, There's a brilliant Helen Goh from Ottolenghi. She has things like a date and cinnamon babka with date molasses. Um, And she makes these gotab, which are these Iranian-filled pastries with the cardamom icing, which I just absolutely love. Um, And one ingredient that I'm seeing all over Instagram at the moment that everyone is using is toasted milk powder. Yeah, I know. I actually know about this. You know why? Why? (laughs) Because because Ed came on, Ed Kimber came on the podcast last week and was talking about toasted milk powder. And I knew... I I think I felt like I'd heard about it from um, the as a mama fuku. Yes, a, okay. Didn't, yeah, yeah. I think they might have put it in their cookies at one point Probably. and they did these white chocolate. But yeah, it's such a mad ingredient, but it sounds incredible. It's incredible. So milk powder is basically the sort of the sort of fatty, delicious yeah. bits of milk. Um and if you think about it, when you're brown, when you make brown butter, what yeah. you're really doing is you're sort of browning. Caramelizing that. The caramelizer bits. The and milk powder is sort of those bits yeah. that you caramelize. So when you toast that, you just end up with these extraordinary kind of caramelized butter flavors almost. So there are loads of chefs that are incorporating this into loaf cakes, into cookies, yeah. into into all sorts of stuff. And it really does. I mean, forget saltiness. It's all about <laughs> toasted you, milk powderness. I hope that you're going to incorporate into one, one of your recipes love, for us. You know soon. what? I um, <laughs> one thing that I love making is budfi, which is sort of an Indian yeah. sort of fudge, Fudgy and thing, I yeah. love using toast because because budfi is effectively um, kind of a sort of hard set yeah. milk powder. So toasting that milk powder is something I love doing. Amazing. It's okay. a great ingredient. Can feel an olive <laughs> recipe coming on <laughs> for the future. Um, okay, let's move on to um, some global iconic bakes. Yes. Um, I love this because there are three in particular from different parts of the world that people are just going mad for at the yeah. moment. And what I love is that people are really sort of celebrating their own heritage with these. So the first one is baklava, love which it. I love baklava. I mean, it's just so delicious. There are some incredible restaurants in London and kind of chefs that are kind of championing this. Um, there's a brilliant Turkish restaurant in Soho called Zata who has this extraordinary baked um, baklava, which is just full of sort of honey and syrup and rose and cardamom and pistachio, which is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and then there's Melik Erdal, who I absolutely love, who sort of celebrates her Kurdish heritage. Uh, she's Mel's Place East on yeah. um, Instagram. I caught up with her and she sort of said that for her, she sort of wanted to give some tips around kind of making the most incredible baklava. And for mm-hmm. her, she says, my most important tip is to clarify your butter. This means it has a higher burning point and provides a nuttier taste. And also, I thought this was really interesting. She says that not all phyllo pastry is made the same. Look for one that is foil sealed for extra Ooh, freshness. That's a brilliant tip. It's a really yeah, good tip, yeah. isn't it? Um, so that's my first one, which is back The next one, and this is all over Instagram at the moment, is Maritozzi or Maritozzi. Right. I can't quite say it with an Italian accent. Maritozzi. 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 I, yeah, because I didn't know... Um, I didn't know what it was when I was reading it. And then I was like, oh, my God. And then you said it's stuffed with loads of cream. Yes, I was like, those are those, those ones. They look yes. like sort of a big fat donut-y thing yes. and then it's split down the middle. And it's got it's got as much cream as, as you can possibly get as cake, it. basically, yes. or bun. Yeah. So there's sort of these like, they almost look like huge pebbles. Yeah. Um, they're basically an Italian citrus cream bun. And people are going crazy for them. So Forno London is the bakery that's kind of driving this trend oh, at the okay. moment. And what they do is they sort of bake these sort of, they're almost sort of a sort of brioche style bun yeah. and they're baked really golden brown they're split open and then they're filled with 
a ludicrous amount of cream, almost to the point where you can't see the perimeter of the bun. <laughs> yeah, it's like the cream is sort of this mound. Yeah. And they are absolutely delicious and absolutely <laughs> incredible. I mean, there are lots of incredible bakeries um, in Rome as well um, uh, that, you know, do that, yeah. that, that, that sort of do them. But Forno in London is kind of Definitely a place that's really Definitely want to seek out, those. for sure. And the other one is Insta Now, these are a really interesting bake. You actually get them in different parts of the world. So okay. um, they're a very traditional bake in Mallorca where they're a kind of coil-shaped yeasted loaf that's kind of topped with loads of vanilla, oh. loads of powdered sugar, they're, and they're just completely delicious. Um, but you also get Filipino insomada, which are sort of a filled brioche-style bun. Nice. Um, there's a couple of places in London that do them. There's a bakery called Casakin, and then there's a place... Um, sorry. There's a bakery called Casakin, and then there's another one called Mamezon. Um, and theirs are filled with things like coconut and caramel and pandan. Wow. So, yeah, look out for Insemada. What I love is that it's this... I'm not entirely sure of the history of why both Mallorca and the Philippines lay claim to this type of bed, but they're actually quite different. It's just that they happen yeah, to have the same Yeah, they just happen to have the same one. Yeah. I love it. Okay, and next, um, the return of classic British afternoon tea. Yes. I mean, there's a coronation going on in case... Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, we're aware there's of it. There's something pretty yeah, big yeah, going yeah. on. And you know what? What I think is really exciting about it is that it's kind of driven this revival yeah. of the classic British afternoon teas, but kind of made really, really elevated. So, you know, think crustless cucumber sandwiches with sort of really good bread. That's what I love on an afternoon. I'm not a big, I'm not really big into having 17 cakes. I just want those little it's just, it's just little sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I'm here for that. Um, <laughs> but things like fondant fancies, you yeah, know, mini Victoria that. sponges with seasonal jams. Battenbergs. I love, love a Battenberg. Um, even old school classics like a coffee walnut cake. A couple of places that are sort of really elevating this at the moment. So there is the Goring Hotel, which I love, which has a very royal connection because it's the hotel that Kate Middleton stayed in before. Oh, really? The night before oh. she um, got married. I caught with them and they told me that the Goring is really championing British ingredients nice. in their afternoon at the moment. So they're using royal warranted suppliers, people like Dukes Hill Ham. But this year, they've kind of created this extra special coronation strawberry and elderflower jam, which they're using to kind of go alongside their freshly baked scones. Um, I just totally love that idea of having a special love coronation it. jam. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> another place is Cliveden House, who um, is, again, taking inspiration from the coronation. And they have been inspired by the flowers that grow in the King's Royal Gardens. Nice. So they've got things like a Kensington poppy seed cake, uh, which is inspired by the bright red poppy flowers that um, grow in abundance in the King's Gardens. And then they have things like a lavender and nasturtium flower pot, oh, um, which is again implied, sort of, which again is inspired by sort of the King's castle and garden. So I really like this idea of kind of taking the classic afternoon tea, bringing the English garden into it, yeah. and then kind of bringing this element of kind of seasonality and sort of elevating those classics. But it's something, you know, it's not, you could recreate that yourself at home couldn't you if you made totally. some cute little sandwiches and scones totally. and got some decent jam and stuff totally one of the things I love about Claire Patak's book which we talked about earlier is that she's got angel cakes oh god I love there, angel cakes I, I mean, well. such a, <laughs> and they're so simple it's just yeah. sort of a pink sponge and a yellow sponge and then a sort of a delicious vanilla buttercream in the middle but they're so classic and they yeah. look so beautiful yeah I love that something that people can do and lastly can't believe we got all the way yes. to the end waffle mania Pe yes I said this is baking adjacent they love it don't they they love waffles I mean they just never went out of fashion no no no, no. but what I love so you know it's, it is baking in that it's a batter that's heated yeah. that then you know puffs up and turns into something but what I love is that, you know, waffles are just taking on a life of their own at the moment. And a waffle iron is, I think, one of the hot accessories for a kitchen right now. I mean, air 
fryers, sure, but a waffle iron <laughs> is the thing to have in your kitchen right now. Um, there's an incredible place called Utter Waffle in London that's kind of drying, driving this trend. Um, yeah. They have these incredible sort of... Sorry, they have this incredible, very light batter that it's actually buckwheat-based, yeah. which brings in this whole kind of buckwheat flavour. But they have these incredible flavours, things like a roasted peach and bacon oh, waffle, so which is good. just incredible. Um, there's a trend for croissant waffles, which is, again, using that croissant laminated dough, but in a waffle iron. Oh, okay. So you end up with that kind of sort of waffly. So you can just go out and buy your, you know, whatever it is in a... In a- Roll, isn't it? In the chiller cabinet. Buy it ready made. They're really Tosie, good. Yeah. Put it into a yeah, please don't. <laughs> don't try and make your own croissant. <laughs> There's, I mean, you can buy them I mean, if you've got, if and pretend got, you have. If you've got There's three, no need. three days to spare, no, do it. No but need. otherwise, you There's know, no it's decent. Yeah. Um, the other ones that I love. So there's a big trend for plantain waffles, which oh, nice. I just think is amazing. And then this is something that I saw on Instagram recently, which just blew my mind. And it's pakora waffles. So taking a pakora vegetable batter oh, and then works. putting it in a waffle iron. You can put anything in Amazing. there, can't you? You can put anything. You can basically put anything in a waffle iron. You put it here first. And also, it, it's a great one for kids because yeah. it's really easily cleaned. It doesn't take that long to do. You can get as messy as you no. like. You know, clamp the lid down and clamp the lid down. And also, you know, it's, it's so textual. It's such a fun yeah, thing to eat, and you end up with. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a waffle iron is basically sort of just giving you as much Maillard reaction as you can get. Yeah. Just and. We, as you know, male reaction is where the flavour comes from. So yeah. I totally love this. I mean, there is waffle mania, you know, bring in all sorts of ingredients, use croissant dough, use kind of, you know, buckwheat doughs, whatever it might be, yeah. and kind of go wild with them. It's I've, all about the waffle. I've, I found one on our, on our website, which I think I wrote back in the day for a video, which was a, like a cheesy potato waffle <laughs> using leftover mashed potatoes and cheese Delicious. and an egg. And honestly, it works. It was brilliant, yeah. you know, and you're... You're using up all that leftover mash as they, well. <laughs> there used to be a cafe in Bristol when I went to university yeah. that did bubble and squeak waffles. Nice. Which was just That's perfect. It's everything. I mean, yeah. you know, what more could you want? Yeah, just a big fried egg on top. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really fun one to end on. Thanks so much, Good. Um, let's do a quick shout out for your book, which is out at the minute, because that's got so much inspiration in it as well of as well as loads of lovely recipes. So it's called Mother Tongue, Flavours of a Second Generation, and it's out now. It is. How's it doing? It's doing really well. Bestseller? It's it's almost there. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, No, it's doing really well. I'm really enjoying kind of that. But there's loads of, if you know, if you're inspired by this stuff, there's loads of kind of interesting spiced hybrid type bakes in the book. So check it out. And listeners should also look out for your monthly Need to Know column in Olive, where you're highlighting cool new trends across the food and travel world. But thanks so much again for coming to chat to us today it's been brilliant thanks it was really fun thank you for listening to the olive podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats hacks and shortcuts and don't forget to subscribe at itunes acast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts